Welcome to the Birth Lounge Podcast, an empowering space for expecting and new parents to hear candid conversations with experts, support your mental health, and learn the tips and tricks that thousands of parents have used to craft their ideal birth. We will answer all of your questions, the scary ones and the weird ones, to help calm your fears and feel confident going into your birth. I'm going to help you redefine what birth and motherhood looks like and how to embrace your journey. I've intentionally crafted an amazing list of experts to help you navigate pregnancy, explore your birth options, and plan for postpartum so it can be a time of soaking in your tiny human. We're going to go there on all the hard topics so that you can dive into finding your confidence and freeing yourself from fears around childbirth. With almost 10 years of experience in family education and a master's degree in human development and family studies, I created this podcast as a way to share information so parents can make educated and informed decisions about their care during pregnancy and childbirth. This is a birth community driven by evidence-based information and research in hopes to help you explore your options, understand your rights, and know what choices you have along the way. I'm your host, Hee Hee. Now let's get to the good stuff. Hello, my birth queens. Happy Tuesday. How are you? We are three, four weeks into quarantine. It's April 14th, and I think everyone is starting to kind of come up for a breath of air. I think everybody is starting to realize that this is not going to be a quick resolve and this may be a new way of life for the next little bit so mental health check-in how are you how are you doing how are you coping how are you you know rearranging your life and your schedule to absorb and accommodate the changes that have come with this quarantine i would love to hear what you're doing to be honest come hang out with me on instagram you can check me out at, at tranquility by he he and i am giving you an inside look on my life in quarantine and so i'd love to see yours and what works for you because here is the honest and goodness truth is nobody's an expert right now because we've never done this before we don't know what we're doing you don't i don't nobody does so I think for me, I love seeing so much what works for other people because it makes me feel not so alone. All right. I'm ready to dive into this episode because this one is a good one. Today, I have on Dr. Maggie Luther, who is a holistic doctor and a medical intuitive, and she helps people balance their hormones to get their energy back. She uses her incredible perception to help women heal and listen to their bodies and then respond to that message. She helps women relearn how to tap into their gut intuition, and I literally mean your gut, like your gut microbiome. She talks about how your stomach plays a huge role in your hormones and what to do if your hormones may be out of whack. You're even going to learn what your poop can tell you about your hormones. This is Hormone 101 with Dr. Maggie Luther, and you're listening to the Birth Lounge Podcast. Okay, Dr. Maggie, welcome to the show. Thanks, Hee I'm so excited to be here and to be talking with you and all of your guests. We are so excited to have you. Hormones is 
obviously very much a part of what we talk about on this show, except we've never had anybody come on here and do a hormone 101. And so I feel like a lot of the episodes are missing this base level of understanding of what we should know as women about our bodies or as partners of women, what our partners need to know. So before we get too far into hormones, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your practice? Sure. Yeah. So I am a holistic doctor and medical intuitive. And so I work um, primarily with women to help them heal brain fog, fatigue, hormone imbalances, get their energy back so they can really feel like their best selves. Right. Um, And I practice virtually. So I work with people from all over really. Um, And my whole thing is really, so like I take all of my brain knowledge, right? The biochemistry, the anatomy, what's going on, because I love that stuff. I love understanding all the geeky pathways and I marry it with my intuition, which is highly perceptive. And so I'm able to actually bring women on the journey. And so they're doing the work, but I am guiding them to the places that need healing within themselves, right? Because we all want our symptoms gone. So we have to learn how to heal our bodies, right? Rather than just focusing on treating those symptoms. Virtual and geeky, you are totally talking my language. I love it so much. You kind of dived into um, listening to your body. So we talk about that a lot on this show. And partly because I think it is something that we have to learn as humans. We've gotten so far away from listening to what our bodies are trying to communicate to us that I feel like you can't talk about it enough. It is definitely like this muscle that needs to be practiced. I totally agree with you, and I think a lot of it is just that, is that from a very young age in our society, we're sort of... um, there's a lot that we're told our bodies are supposed to do, how they're supposed to look, how we're supposed to feel, how we're not supposed to feel. And so it's sort of like there's so much head information that comes our way and the visual information of all the marketing that we see that we do lose that muscle. And, you know, our mothers and grandmothers might have lost that muscle as well. And so we're not having a lot of women who are, you know, the women we look up to saying, okay, well, what is, what's your tummy telling you? What's, what's, what do you think? Like what's inside of you telling you? Right. So it is really relearning that. And that's a lot of what I'm doing with women too, is when I stop working with women, I want them to be able to feel comfortable knowing like intuitively if a food's going to feel good or not feel good or just, you know, it's so important. I feel like medicine is headed that way. We're definitely not there yet. But once we combine both of those aspects, it's going to be amazing. It is amazing. (laughs) I agree so much. I think that medicine is headed back there. We were there at one point and then we got really medicalized. And I think that we're going to see this cycle go all the way back to natural medicine again. And I love to hear you talk about when you're when your clients leave you, when your patients leave you, they are totally equipped with what they need. That's also what I try and do. And I think that's something that sets TBH apart. And so uh, I'm ready to geek out with you. So let's dive into hormones. What should women know as a quick one-on-one before we go into this conversation? Just if you had just a few things to tell us or just one thing to tell us, what, what do we need to know? All right. So I think the most important thing, so like to set the stage and give the 10,000 foot view, and this isn't just for hormones, but I'm going to like pivot it on hormones is that when we want to correct imbalances in our body, nothing operates in isolation. So we get so focused on like, 
high estrogen or we get so focused on low progesterone but then we don't look at all of the other hormones right and it's there's many of them and so even maybe you are you are aware of that you're like oh i need to look at all my hormones right but then we need to even step back even further what's your liver detox doing what's your digestive system doing right so like we get we and this is from how we've been working in conventional medicine we've taken sort of that model and applied it to natural medicine but when we look at our hormones we have to remember hormones are little chemical messengers and they go from one part of the body to another part of the body through the bloodstream and so they take time and like things we do to them like our diet and lifestyle takes time to create effects on them right um so we have to look at everything nothing operates in isolation so that's always what i lead with because I think it's really important that women especially understand that it's, it's a holistic approach. I agree. I think that, again, I think medicine is headed this way. So more and more I hear of my clients in particular saying, oh, my doctor of this and my OBGYN have talked together. Or, you know, my counselor that I see every week, my therapist that I see every week, and my OBGYN, they share notes, things like that. So I'm starting to see it more and more. And it makes my heart really happy. So let's go all the way back to puberty, just rewind all the way to probably where we first think about hormones kind of happening in our body and go from there. Starting at periods, what should we know about our periods as female and specifically as women and mothers of childbearing age? Well, I think first and foremost, sex ed should be period education. <laughs> um, we need to know that it's okay to talk about it. It's okay to talk about it publicly. It's okay to like, you know, make fun of it, but also know that it's part of you, right? Like we're women, we cycle, like there's really nothing to be ashamed about, you know? Um, and so puberty, right? Is this time where like the body's finally like, oh, I've got all these eggs in me. Let's start releasing them. Yay. It's a party. Right. Um, but for the first few years, your hormone levels can be really off. And a lot of this like teenage, um, anxiety, irritability comes because a lot of estrogen starts pumping, right? But the progesterone levels haven't quite figured out their ways, right? So whenever I talk to women about like, you know, like the irritable teenager, that's like often high estrogen, right? And so we can look at these patterns, right? And help women feel better equipped because a lot of times with hormones, you feel insane. You're like, I literally am one minute crying and the next minute I'm excited. And for teenagers, it's hard too, because it's like, they're already like, already weirded out by like all the social norms anyway, right? Absolutely. And they're learning emotional intelligence. I think, you know, teenage years is one of those periods in life where you're learning a lot. People are going to be mean. You're learning how to carry yourself sexually. You're like exploring sexually. You're learning how to carry yourself in your family. You're taking on more responsibility. You're entering high school. There's a lot going on so yeah hormones can just kind of get in there and throw everything really out of whack I have a question about painful periods so I always hear experts say that periods should not be painful and that if you're having excruciating pain during your period you need to get that checked out thoughts on this yeah so I um personally was someone who had horrible painful periods when I first started menstruating. Um, it probably kicked in when I was like 16, right? So maybe I started my period when I was 12, 13. A few years later, it kicked in. It was so bad, it would wake me up in the middle of the night. 
Um, and it also, I would like pop ibuprofen like they were candy, um, which probably is one of the reasons that spurred me into natural medicine and natural healing anyway. But any, okay, so pain has to do with the immune system. So a lot of times we think of the immune system as just like, am I sick or am I healthy? But the immune system has a lot to do with inflammation regulation, right? So when we eat certain foods, for instance, um, a lot of high unhealthy omega-6s start to engage. Um, so those are uh, fats that engage pathways that are more inflammatory. So, you know, a lot of teenagers might not be caring what they're eating or maybe they're just eating whatever because maybe their parents don't eat super healthy. And so a lot of times um, those painful periods can help be fixed by looking at the diet and the fatty acids that we're consuming, right? I, um, just to get back to your question to make sure I answer it, any, so a lot of people experience it, right? It doesn't mean that it's normal or healthier that you need to keep experiencing it. So my whole thing is like, just because it's common doesn't mean you have to put up with it. <laughs> Ooh, listeners, it seems like you've heard me say something very similar before. <laughs> I'm the queen of saying that even though it's common doesn't mean that it's normal. Um, and I also love to throw this in too, just because you're suffering doesn't mean you're suffering alone. You might just be suffering in silence. Say something, speak up, tell your doctor about the pain that you are experiencing. If your doctor doesn't listen to you, Change providers. Find someone who will listen to you. If you think something is wrong in your body, you need to advocate for yourself. If you need help doing that, I'm happy to help you. Dr. Maggie will probably help you. Reach out to people. You have help out here. So staying on the, the line of periods, I've seen you talk about different types of PMS. Can you tell us about that? Because that is something that's very weird. I think a lot of listeners are probably thinking, what? Different types? Right. Yeah. So, and this is really important. This gets back to my whole pitch at the beginning is, you know, I think um, people have really good intentions of using natural medicine, natural solutions, wanting to change their diet and lifestyle. And there's a red sea of information out there online. Um, but we have to remember that in order to be able to heal the symptom, you're not actually always wanting to treat the symptom. You're wanting to treat the imbalance, right? And those are two very different things, right? So, you don't want to just get a generic PMS supplement because chances are it won't work. And then you're like, natural solutions don't work, right? PMS can be created from different pathways in the body, right? So we talked about um, PMSP, which is PMS pain. And that has more to do with the, the immune system. So 70% of your immune system lives in your gut, right? So like, what's your digestion like? How is your inflammation level? Do you eat a lot of fruits and vegetables? Or are you eating a lot of processed foods, right? So we want to start peeling apart those layers, right? So PMSA is uh, for PMS anxiety, which a lot of women have. And again, I was saying this prior, um, but that often has to do with high estrogen and then low progesterone. They also might just be high and low related to each other. And this is why it's really good to work with someone who knows how to work with hormones beyond just what they learned in school 5, 10, 15, 20 years ago, because it doesn't have to be like, the lab value is above high and the lab value is below low, they can be high and low in relation to each other, right? So PMSA is super common, right? So many women experience anxiety. And I think a lot of, the, a lot of that also has to do with um, just emotions. Like 
we're so um, expected to like be on all the time. Like, you know, in my ideal world, I give my clients permission to like, you know, the week you have your period, like don't make it a heavy week. Like you need to like take self-care time. You need to be down. Like even if you don't experience these symptoms, the cycle exists for you to be able to like be all energized right when you're ovulating and then like to really kind of like check out a little bit when you're uh, moving towards the other side of things, right? So PMSA, PMSC is cravings, right? That has a lot more to do with insulin. Um, a lot of women with PCOS are going to have PMSC uh, because it has to do with insulin and cortisol and those um, the ability for the body to really utilize the sugars it's eating. So that could have anything to do with, yes, you have a diagnosed condition like PCOS or, and, or you're eating foods that aren't supporting those pathways, right? Um, PMSD is PMS depression. That has a lot to do with our serotonin levels. So again, a lot of our neurotransmitters are made in our gut. So again, we want to back up for a second to be like, okay, I'm depressed. So do I just like take an antidepressant? Do I just go find an herb that's good for depression? No, you want to like step back and look at serotonin and look at your digestive system because 95% of serotonin is made in the gut. So we want to be able to like look at it more holistically. And then the other one, um, we did the PMSP previously, the PMSH is PMS hyperhydration. And that one also has to do with um, largely like um, swelling and, you know, bloating and, you know, if your breasts get the breast tenderness, right. And a lot of people erroneously recommend doing low sodium. And I don't, find that to be helpful unless you're eating a lot of packaged foods. So like, yes, if you're eating a lot of packaged foods, definitely take down the sodium level, take down the MSG, and you'll definitely experience less bloating. But ideally, you're already or working towards eating naturally occurring sea salts, right? So a lot of the hyperhydration has more to do with, are you getting enough minerals, right? So minerals are really important for us to absorb our fluids correctly. So I like to focus more on what are you getting for your greens? What are you getting for fresh fruit? You know, things that are going to help us increase our mineral intake. And can these be combined? Can you have PMS, A, C, D? Is mm -hmm. it a combination of them? Do they stand alone? Do you, are they pretty much always together? What are we looking at? Yeah, generally I would say two to three are often always combined. Um, rarely do I see all of them combined, but it might be someone who just is neglecting themselves and really does have big hormone issues, right? Um, Rarely do I see one on its own, um, but yeah, I think they're often combined. Wow, that is so fascinating. So how would someone know if their hormones were out of balance, other than the obvious, you know, feeling out of control and maybe definitely being aware that your hormones are out of control? If it was more subtle than that, what would we be looking for? Yeah, so I think if you have any sort of PMS, right? So even if you feel like it's mild, um, if you have irritability or anxiety around ovulation, like a lot of women think that's, you know, again, in that like common camp, but I don't need to do anything about it. Um, if you're on birth control, right? Uh, if you experience um, uncontrollable mood swings and they're having, and someone's been investigating them and like counseling isn't helping and um, maybe, you know, you've tried some natural supplements and they're not really helping, right? I would also say that, honestly, like if you're not pooping every day, um, you probably have some hormone issues, right? So like estrogen is metabolized out of the liver into the poop. 
if you don't regularly evacuate, you're going to recycle your estrogens, right? And so a lot of women do experience estrogen dominance because of that. Um, but I would say, honestly, like for me, and I always look through this lens anyway, but it hasn't really steered me wrong is that hormones, which include sex hormones and adrenal hormones, the digestive system, and then sometimes neurotransmitters are always good to get looked at no matter what you have going on, because those often are going to give you really great answers as to what could be better to help you improve the symptoms that you have. Wow. So if someone weren't on birth control and they weren't, and they were pooping every day, they weren't holding their poop, what would be some other causes of an imbalance? Can I assume that your diet has a heavy influence on this since food is going to have a lot of hormones in it? Yeah. And so, you know, there's so many layers to food, right? So you've got sort of the, are you even eating a healthy diet, right? That layer. So like healthy fats are so important. Cholesterol is the building blocks of all our hormones. And so hopefully um, you're not on an anti-cholesterol kick, <laughs> which was an, an unfortunate uh, side effect for the last 20 years. Um, and then, right, and then hydration is super important. But to get where you're talking about, right, which is incredibly important, but almost like the top of the triangle is, are you eating foods, including water, that has hormones in it, right? So now we start to talk about like, if you're an animal eater, do you eat dairy and any sort of meat that has hormones or antibiotics? And if it doesn't say, then it likely could have it in it, right? I always am like, if it doesn't say non-GMO, assume it's GMO until you prove it otherwise, right? And so, and then GMO can be another issue, right? We don't know necessarily so much with hormones. That one probably more has to do with immune inflammation. Um, but when we talk about hormone balances, for sure, your meats, uh, water, they found birth control. Well, they found hormones in water that they surmise is from birth control. So, you know, unless you're filtering your water, you're getting exposed to other people's hormones, right? So it's pretty crazy. That is really wild. And listeners, if you could see me, I'm a little freaked out right now. That is really insane to me. It makes me scared. It makes me want to live in a bubble, even as unhealthy as I know that is. This is scary to think that you could be drinking tap water from your faucet, thinking that you're hydrating your body, doing something good, and instead you're drinking someone else's hormones. That's terrifying to me. So you mentioned milk. Can we talk a little bit about the effects of soy on hormones? Because I'm lactose intolerant, so I do a lot of soy milk. That's what I drink. I don't love coconut milk. I don't love almond milk. What am I doing to my body? Yeah, I think it's a great question. And um, just to answer your other one too, it can be totally overwhelming. And so like the goal I always remind women is to like take the baby steps you can, right? Because you don't want to overwhelm yourself because that's actually going to produce paralysis. And so we want you to get better or I want you to get better. I just don't want you to get so overwhelmed. So yes, like don't shut down, right? Be empowered rather than feeling powerless is what I like to say. So, um, but soy, soy is very interesting. So you're going to hear multiple different opinions on this. My opinion on this is that fermented soy is fine when it comes to hormones. Um, I prefer to have women not ingest non-fermented soy because it's just, uh, for me, it's not conclusive how safe it is. 
Now, granted, women in China have been consuming these things for a long time, and they do have lower risk of certain cancers. Um, they do have a higher risk of stomach cancer, right? So everything, again, nothing's in isolation, right? So we want to look at things holistically. Exactly. There's always a give and take, which for me is something that I love so much about my job because I carry no heavy weight, really. I just am able to give you the choices and you have to make the decision. But um, yeah, I love it. It's always a give and take. So shifting to pregnancy and birth, can you take us on the journey of changes and fluctuations that our hormone takes during this time? Really lay it out for our listeners what a typical pregnancy looks like because you have no idea how many questions we get of, am I being too emotional or is this normal or, oh my gosh, you won't believe this, um, things like that. So what are we looking at for a typical pregnancy so that we can kind of dive a little deeper into maybe not so typical? Yeah. So pregnancy is awesome and fun and fascinating and overwhelming and exciting and nerve wracking <laughs> and everything. Um, and so when we get pregnant, right, that's the time when our progesterone is higher. And so in order for us to stay pregnant, and a lot of women um, have trouble with this who have infertility issues, the progesterone has to stay high enough so that the lining of the uterus stays thick enough and egg and sperm uh, unite and get implanted in there. So right when you're, and so progesterone is more of like an emotional hormone, right? So right when you get pregnant, you might not have huge understandings, right? Like most women are like, you know, I didn't know I was pregnant, right? And then I missed my period and I took a test, right? Um, so initially, I don't personally see a lot of big fluctuations in that time period. Of course, now when you, and we're talking normal, right? When you start to talk about infertility, you could have uh, bigger, bigger changes because you're using a lot of external hormones um in your mood so you know then sort of first trimester it's um really hormonally it's again and this is true of the whole pregnancy it's really about maintaining that progesterone high right and again a lot of women miscarry because the progesterone levels don't maintain at that high level so um first trimester is really a lot about the the body getting ready uh progesterone higher implantation happening, um, and then maintenance, right? And so there's a lot, I'm sure, that we don't even know about the immune system, right? Because we have this foreign little bugger in us. And so there's a lot of interaction between the immune system and the hormones. And so, you know, normally, I think a lot of women um, feel okay, and then they start to feel tired, right? And I think a lot of that has to do with less hormones and more immune system and where the body's at with the nutrition it's getting, what your hormone balance was like before you got pregnant, and just like your activity level, right? Again, this is a time where like we probably should be slowing down a little bit more, but we still have to go, go, go because, you know, we have responsibilities, maybe other kids, maybe um, a job that we aren't able to, you know, slow down with and all of that. Um, and then, you know, second trimester, we get sort of an energy boost back. Um, and I think, you know, again, that has, I mean, okay, so for me, I feel like that has less to do with like progesterone estrogen. It has more to do with now you're settled in and the baby's growing, right? And so as long as you're not experiencing too much heartburn or constipation, 
second trimester can be easy, a breeze, you know, it can be really um, forward moving, right? You're going to still experience emotional ups and downs because of the high progesterone. Like, and it's, it's, I personally, and I, you know, I love talking to other experts and people who do hormones. I don't see a rhyme or reason with patterns, right? So like, if you are someone who comes in and you are someone who's always suffered from depression, you could actually have less depression when you're pregnant, right? But you could also, it could be really instigated while you're pregnant, right? Um, and so hormones isn't something we generally play around with a lot when you're pregnant because mostly you don't want to mess with them if the pregnancy is going well. Of course, if you're on progesterone to get pregnant, you stay on your progesterone levels throughout the pregnancy. Um, and then third trimester is, again, you know, we're filling up the blood expands to twice its volume during that time, right? To get all of that goodness around the body. And then you have your baby and your progesterone levels go back down and you feel crazy after like three days. That is, yes. So many listeners out there are thinking, is this woman in my house, in my head, listening and like seeing me? I know so many people out there are thinking, yes, yes, yes. So you talked about um, constipation. If holding our poop creates more estrogen and constipation is part of pregnancy, help us out, doc. What do we do? Yeah, totally. And it can be difficult in the sense of like, it it doesn't feel great, right? So again, we need to look at the basics. And some people just totally negate the basics, but I'm telling you the basics are really great. So are you drinking water? Is your water full of minerals? I like to recommend like things like coconut water, if you don't mind it. Um, even buying yourself like a mineral, a supplement that's got the minerals in it, not a lot of extra sugar in it. You can put it in your water, right? And it's a nice flavor. So it might even help with some of the nausea. Um, sometimes minerals can cause a little nausea. So you have to sort of play around with it yourself, right? But um, staying hydrated is really great for pooping. But sometimes our water sources aren't Sometimes water sources, tap water, are almost more dehydrating in a way because they have a lot of other chemicals and things in them that don't allow your body to absorb the water. So even more important during pregnancy is to make sure you're drinking that clean, filtered, hydrating water. Like, I think you all know what I'm talking about. Sometimes you drink water and you're like, I just don't feel hydrated, right? 100%. I think there's certain city water that just doesn't do that for you. And I think, I mean... I'm a country mouse at heart. I grew up way out in the country of Mississippi. And so we, I didn't have city water. We had well water. And so I grew up with nice, you know, I consider it nice well water versus city water that's kind of filtered out for everybody, for big masses. So if someone were experiencing really intense emotions and they feel like they wanted medical support, like medication, what are some options, both medication and natural that could support these intense emotions that they feel they're, they're just very sure that this isn't normal. Mm -hmm. So are we talking during pregnancy? Yeah. Yeah. Still during pregnancy. Yeah. So, um, I personally don't do medications myself, so I'm not going to recommend any. I'm going to leave that for another, uh, guest. Um, when it comes to mood, I think some of the biggest things that can help us, right. I, I like to look at the hierarchy of order, which is always like you have a triangle and up here you have your 
symptom-based treatment, right? Which at the top is going to be your pharmaceuticals. And then next is going to be like your herbs and natural therapies. And then below that you have more gentle things like homeopathy or um, acupuncture or things that are more going to stimulate the vital force, which is like the energy that runs through all of us. We each have our own vital force. Um, and then you've got the things that are like you should be doing every day, right? So I always like to start there, you know, and again, I think people oftentimes will say like, oh, I just need something major, right? And yes, you might, absolutely. But I can't tell you how many times clients come back to me and they're like, I'm doing that thing what, that where it's like, I'm ending my showers on cold and I've just felt so great lately. <laughs> what is that? I don't know that trick. So this is an immune system trick, right? And it actually um, stimulates the vagal nerve. And the vagal nerve is the big giant nerve uh, that runs between the stomach and the brain. And we used to think it communicated only from the brain down. And we now know that it communicates from the stomach up. And that's, you know, the second brain. We talk about how important the gut is. But when you do a cold shower at the end of your warm shower, it's going to put you in a more parasympathetic mode. Why do we like parasympathetic mode? Because parasympathetic mode is calming, relaxing, um, chilling out, right? And we're often all in sympathetic mode where it's like, go, 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 go. I got to do this. I got to do that. I can't even think, right? And so bringing ourselves into parasympathetic mode is great for calming our nerves, balancing our mood, helping ourselves digest the food, right? So if you're a woman that's constipated while you're pregnant, think about some activities you can do to get the parasympathetic system going. Wow, that is... So fascinating. I know I already said that, but that's incredible. I did not know that trick. How cool. Yeah. Shifting to postpartum depression, what do we need to know about postpartum hormones in general before we dive deep into the mood challenges? Yeah, so I think uh, what's important to really realize is that there can be, there's a lot to do with hormones. So when we say hormones, we need to say like the male, female sex hormones, but then the thyroid, right? And also obviously the adrenals. So in my book, the endocrine system often works in concert. So the endocrine system includes the sex hormones, cortisol, which is your adrenal uh, hormones, and there's some other hormones in that area, your insulin, uh, thyroid, and then pineal gland, sleep, melatonin, all of those things. So when we think about the postpartum period, um, thyroid becomes really important. And a lot of women actually, when they head, so we'll talk normal, right? So like normally you would, and I'm assuming at this point, most ob or midwives, you know, are doing the six week check where, okay, where's your thyroid levels at, right? Because I think at this point, most people know how important it is to check those. So once you're done being pregnant, you don't have that sustained progesterone. And for a lot of women, that can mean um, it's back to more like the high estrogen, right? If you had that going on previously, because if it didn't correct itself, it's, it likely magically isn't going to correct itself. Um, it could. Pregnancy does a lot of crazy things, right? So we don't want to assume that your hormones are going to be off again if they were previously. Um, but again, because you have that progesterone dip after a little bit, you will have more ups and downs in your mood because that's more like what estrogen is, ups and downs. Um, and then, but then you have, if you're going to nurse, you have prolactin and oxytocin. 
Um, which again, you know, bring out sort of that feel good side of things, but then you're also going to have, you know, sort of a rebound to that, right? Which isn't necessarily defined as a rebound effect, but I find for a lot of women, you know, they can feel good one moment and then the next moment it's like you're crying and you're out of control. And a lot of that is hormones, but more just energetically speaking, you've just made an incredibly big shift in your life. You've grown something, let it out and now have to take care of it. And whether you've done this one time, no time, seven times, it's all different. Every kid is different. Every experience is different. Every birth is different, right? So we have to sort of um, look at all of it, right? Exactly. I love that you point out that everything is different. I can't tell you how many times people come to me for their second, third child and they say, I really want to work with you, but I'm so scared to change anything about my previous births because they went so, they went so well, right? And I'm like, you have a choice. Definitely don't change anything if you don't want to. That doesn't mean you can't work with me, but every birth is totally different. So changing a piece or two does not mean that you're doomed for a terrible birth because you didn't follow suit for your other really awesome births. Totally. So postpartum, I think a lot of questions um, revolve around sex, right? Getting back to sex and what it's going to feel like. And some people will report that they couldn't keep their hands off of their partner. And some people will report that they're two years postpartum and they still don't want sex. What should we know about postpartum sex and hormones? And you can even dive into breastfeeding and hormones and that effect on sex if you want. Yeah. So I think in, it is funny, just, it is like that. It's like, you know, why such a dichotomy of a difference, you know? And it's like, is, and that's again where I go like, okay, well we can talk hormones and we can look at, you know, like if you are, you know, three, four, five, six months postpartum and you're just sort of like doing your thing, like you're like, okay, I'm like, I got baby, I'm doing baby. Like, is it hormones, right? Or are you, where is your focus, right? And I think a lot of women um, can be more uh, able to dismiss their self-care than other women, right? And then I also think that sexually speaking, right, you're going to have some women who are, um, feel like almost like their sex life has picked up, right, after they had their baby or whatever, six weeks, whatever, postpartum. Um, so I think women can experience an uptick in their sex life with hormones and with, because if they're breastfeeding, I find this more common. And I don't know if you find this commonly, but I often see women talk about having an increased sex drive when they're also nursing. I see it less when women are uh, bottle feeding. So I feel like there's also the oxytocin prolactin going on as well. Um, and some women are very stimulated by like nursing, you know, it almost like brings out like this sexual urge, right? And so I, I think it's a combination of having those additional hormones that are higher than they normally would be influencing that. 
Absolutely. I think I've seen it go both ways. So I've definitely had moms say that, um, you know, it increases their sex desire, but I've also had moms that say they think that breastfeeding is a reason that they don't feel any sexual desire, that their breasts have maybe be, been desexualized, but also because breastfeeding hormones maybe keeps you too dry down there and it doesn't make sex comfortable. So I think with everything else that's birth and just women and life in general, it's all very individualized. So to compare yourself to any of the stories that we're saying or your neighbor or your sister or your sister-in-law or anyone, it's just unrealistic. You need to be focusing what's going on with your body. Um, cause your before story was different too. This birth was different. This pregnancy was different. Nothing is the same as anybody else in your circle. And Dr. Maggie, you mentioned a little bit, um, about mindset. Where's your focus? Listeners, I'll link a freebie to mindset in pregnancy, birth, postpartum, and parenthood. I have put together these mindset shifts for things just like this. Um, so go and grab your freebie in the show notes. Dr. Maggie, is there anything that we can do to prepare before our baby uh, to support ourselves hormonally during the postpartum period? Um, I always like to use herbs um, just to help ourselves prepare. So, I mean, to prepare yourself in general, um, having meal trains, having food, having um, you know, multiple water bottles around the house that are constantly filled up, right? These little things um, to prepare ourselves hormonally. Because again, you know, we're talking about how food is the building block for hormones, right? So, you know, making sure we're not just eating crap because we don't have time to cook, but we're eating good quality foods. Um, maybe you do a meal delivery that's really healthy. Um, so getting yourself prepared at that like ground level can be really helpful for that postpartum period, working with a postpartum doula, um, having someone come to your house and clean a little bit, right? Because again, when we talk about sympathetic and parasympathetic mode, we're more likely to struggle with breastfeeding or even just feeling calm. Maybe you're not breastfeeding. Maybe you're just, you know, postpartum and you're not feeling calm. We're more likely to struggle with it when we're in sympathetic mode, which is that like, amped up. I'm always going. I have no time to rest. Things are moving fast. I'm eating on the go, right? So we really want to shift how we are operating in the world, right? We want to operate in this moment. We want to like another trick to do is like before you eat to literally stop and take three deep breaths. That'll take you all of like 20 seconds and that will bring you into parasympathetic mode. So that can get you into a better feeling state. Um, I love herbs like, uh, you know, raspberry leaf, nettles, oats. Um, I feel like those can be great nourishing herbs. Um, nettles can be a little bit drying depending on who you are constitutionally, but I only generally find that if you live in a dry area, um, whereas I know, you know, Massachusetts and New England is pretty moist <laughs> most of the year. It is moist and cold. Listeners, you know that I'm a big fan of meditation and also stopping to take three deep breaths. I also love to stop and think about five things that you love about, insert whatever's bothering you right now, yourself, your kids, your partner, your job, the city that you live in. Why are you grateful for that traffic that you're sitting in? Make sure that you're really practicing those mindset shifts. 
So something that I hear about all the time, and we, we touched about it, we touched on it just a little, is the anxiety before and after about, I don't have anxiety before, so I'm not really, you know, concerned about the mood stuff afterwards. And I always try and explain the, the mood as follows. So all throughout your pregnancy, your hormones are fluctuating up and down, but overall in an up manner, if you were to put it on a line graph. And then when your baby is born, your placenta is delivered, breastfeeding begins, it's a lot, not only physically and emotionally and mentally, but hormonally as well. So the birth of your baby and the delivery of your placenta plummets your hormones like right off of a cliff. And then breastfeeding gets hormones going that makes you experience love and contentment because it's prolactin and oxytocin. So what can we tell women about managing postpartum hormones, but also that you're not necessarily in the clear just because you didn't have anxiety before? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, I think um, I'm totally agreeing with the statement of don't. um, (laughs) In fact, I would say most women who... um, assume they won't have issues can end up having issues right so and it's not like you want to plan for issues but don't dismiss it you know as like okay it would take it'd be really great for you to take you know a little bit of time each week maybe 36 weeks pregnant you know start like thinking about you know ways that you're going to make time for yourself right you're going to help yourself feel nourished right um because with hormones, there's nothing predictable, right? And I think the, well, I mean, just to give you like an example, right? Like, so a lot of people with autoimmune conditions, right? It can get really great during pregnancy, right? And then they can come back, but it can come back like at a different degree, right? So these major shifts that we have in life are just that, they're shifts. So, you know, expect things to be different. Um, And then also expect, uh, don't expect, but like, be okay with like, you know, I think he, he started this out with the, with puberty, like be okay reaching out. Like, don't be ashamed. Other women are experiencing exactly what you're experiencing. Like get help. Don't, don't like try to do things alone. Like, you know, whether it's a doctor or a friend or even just like a stranger, like I'm feeling really emotional right now. You know, it's like, I've ridden the bus so many times when I used to live in Seattle and like strangers would just start talking to me. Right. It's like, we're, we're all human and we really are living in this big giant community. And so, you know, it's give yourself permission to like be okay with the fact that things are not going to be predictable. Um, And so give yourself the space with that. Absolutely. You said so much stuff there that I love. So first off, yes, find your village. I have so many things on that. So we have podcasts on that. We have blogs on that. You can visit any of my social media. Find your village, people. You can check out episode number 72 back from November 2nd, all about um, how I actually helped a stranger in an airport, and she was so grateful reach out, help other people, women supporting women. Come on, y'all. We can do this. Find your village and then be other people's village. And then you said you don't want to prepare for the worst. I also don't want to prepare for the worst, but I do challenge you that if you're out there listening, stop and think about the worst possible thing that you think might be able to happen in postpartum. Now think about how bad it would really be if you had people in place, a meal train already coming, you had already had family and friends ready to help you just in case something happened. Not that bad. I mean, bad, but could be worse, right? 
Now think about that situation if you did 0% planning. You don't wanna be part of that 0% planning committee. Don't get yourself stuck in something that you could have prepared for 100%. So we had talked a little bit about herbal remedies. How can we use herbs for our period, birth, postpartum healing, helping balance hormones? Are there any ones that you absolutely love and that's pretty good for people in general, women's health in general? Yeah, so I love herbs. Um, it's such a big question. So like, because it's, they're all, you know, for, so, okay. So <laughs> my favorite herbs um, are generally uh, things like nettles, oats, lemon balm, uh, holy basil, rooibos, um, rose, um, chrysanthemum. Uh, let's see. I mean, there's really a lot calendula, you know, so like, but then, you know, obviously looking at the different parts of a woman's cycle, right? With pregnancy, I tend to steer towards the more conservative side just because there's not a lot of research um, when it comes to pregnancy. So using more of those common herbs that have traditionally been used um, and that likely aren't going to impact different hormones, right? So like lemon balm is a wonderful herb, but it can also impact the thyroid. So for some women, that just might not be a good idea postpartum, right? So thinking about more of those nourishing herbs like we were talking about before, like the nettles and the oats. Um, for PMS, I mean, there's like a million different herbs, but again, looking at what the woman's dealing with can be really insightful, right? So if it's like, PMS uh, pain, right? You might want to have some of the herbs in there for pain um, and some herbs for like moving the lymphatic system, right? Because again, the immune system travels around in our lymph. Our lymph exists right under our skin. It is a channel that exchanges fluids between um, our blood and our interstitial area, which is the areas in between our organs. Um, the lymph goes deep into the organ system, so in the liver and the stomach and all of that area, and then it drains everything into our heart and our cardiovascular system so that everything can be excreted through like urine and poop, right? So a little bit of a bigger explanation of what the lymphatic system is, but I think it's important to understand that, you know, when you're looking to treat things, you want to treat things um, holistically. So like, you know, a pain remedy might be something with like a cramp bark in it, but also a calendula in it, which is gonna support the lymphatic system, right? Um, and then some other herbs for like the liver, right? So like a dandelion or an Oregon grapefruit, right? So then you're really holistically like getting things moving. Absolutely, I love it. And remember listeners, herbs are medicine. So just be careful, right? Try not to go around self-diagnosing. Make sure that you are consulting your healthcare physician. Um, one of us here is a doctor. I will let you decide who, um, but one of us is not, so please don't take <laughs> our advice. Um, Dr. Maggie, are there any supplements that women should be taking daily because we just don't get it enough in our food or in our environment, or we once did get it, and now in 2018, 2019, we're not getting it anymore. Yeah, I think, um, so magnesium is a pretty big one. Um, 
I find a lot of women benefit from magnesium and you can go a few different routes with it, right? Like if you look at magnesium, there's like 17 different kinds. That might be a slight exaggeration, but there's a lot of different ones, right? So like if you're someone who's having a little bit of constipation, this can be really great. You get a magnesium citrate, which is going to be a little bit more stool softening, but has a decent absorbency level. Um, I prefer that as the magnesium for if you're trying to go for a, uh, an assistance on the digestive system. Um, something like a magnesium glycinate is going to be more inclined for like the broader pathway. So I wouldn't say it's healthier version of magnesium, but it's like a, um, a little bit higher level, sort of speak, right? That's going to be supporting the biochemical pathways and all of that. Um, so magnesium, vitamin D is really important. Vitamin K2 is really important, um, especially when we're talking about women, you know, getting adequate calcium levels. I'm not a big fan of like rock calcium. I prefer plant calcium. So there are some good seaweed-based calciums out there uh, from seaweed. Uh, lithothamnium is a good product. Um, so calcium can be really important. Magnesium, the D and the K2. Um, I'm not generally one who like does a multivitamin to like cover your bases because I feel like there's a lot of, there's a lack of individuality in that. Right. And there's can be a lot of competition between, you know, different minerals and different vitamins to be absorbed. So, you know, if you're iron deficient, you should be taking your iron separately. Right. Um, ideally without food. So then it, it's more likely to be absorbed. Right. But I think baseline, I've mentioned a few that nearly all women are going to need. That is amazing. Listeners, you had no idea you were coming to this episode to get so much good information that you can literally take action on right now. Dr. Maggie, thank you so much for being here with me. Where can people connect with you if you spoke out to them, if you said something that they were intrigued by or they wanted more information, or maybe they are in mass and they want to come see you? How do they connect with you? Yeah, so I am online, and you can find me at yourwellnessexpert.com, and I do, like I was saying, I do all virtual, so visits are um, uh, in real time over uh, video conferencing that I use, and um, I have a Facebook group that women are welcome to join. It is Dr. Maggie Luther's Adrenal Gut Hormone Community, but if you just search for Dr. Maggie Luther, you'll find me on Facebook with my business page and then also with my Facebook group. I love it. Thank you so, so much for being here with us today from brain fog to fatigue and hormone imbalances to different types of PMS. Who knew that was a thing? To constipation and the importance of finding someone who specializes in hormones and everything in between. Listeners, happy, happy Tuesday. I hope that you guys are ready for the rest of the week. I will see you again on Friday. And as always, thank you for tuning in today. By showing up today, you're showing up for yourself and you're letting us know that you care. Thank you so much. We see you. We hear you. We appreciate you. And until we meet again, ask yourself, what would he do? Hey there. Before you go, I wanted to tell you who made today's episode possible. Today's episode is brought to you by Thinks Underwear. Ah, it's time for your period again, and what are you doing to manage your period? 
In 2017, I had a horrendous experience with an IUD that grew into my cervix. And if that sounds traumatic to you, well, it was. And through this experience, I was forced to totally rethink the way I manage my bleeding each month. I found things underwear, and to say they changed my life is a complete understatement. After the repercussions of the misplaced IUD, things gave me control again. I started off with just one pair because who the heck knew if these things worked? But it didn't take very long before I had 10 pair of underwear. Who needs 10 pair of period underwear? I don't know, but I love them all so much. For new parents out there, I cannot think of a better way to manage your postpartum bleeding than the high-waisted or the Think Super. I don't want to be the one to break it to you, but the first postpartum period can sometimes be a doozy and Thinks can help. Thinks last up to two years, so they are great for our environment. They are also so easy to clean, plus they have a special lining to prevent any odor. They are no more effort than a regular load of laundry to clean. You can see how I care for my Thinks over on my Instagram highlights. Thinks has shared uh, $10 off of your first pair. It's a link, and I'm going to read it out to you, but you can also find it in the show notes. It's shethinks with an X dot com backslash pages backslash leader hyphen he he hyphen Stewart, and that's S T E W A R T. So you can visit that link, or you can visit that link in the show notes to save $10. I'm telling you, you will not be disappointed. And oh, if you're wondering what my favorite styles are, I love the sport, I love the thong, and I love the high-waisted. That's my period trio, and I could not live without them each month. I'm so excited for you to try yours. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I truly do value this community and I love hanging out with you. If you found today's episode helpful, share it with a friend. Share it with someone who might also find this information helpful. I'd love to hear what you have to say and read your sweet words on iTunes. You can leave us a review and this helps get this information into the hands of parents who might also benefit from hearing it. If you're interested in joining The Birth Lounge, you can go to thebirthlounge.com. Our blog is linked there. You can find all sorts of free information as well as how to get your access to The Birth Lounge. You can always hang out with me on Instagram as well, at Tranquility by Hehe. Until then, stay educated, stay supported, stay confident.
Nothing in this podcast is to be used as medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. As always, please consult your healthcare provider with any questions or concerns you have about your health or anything discussed in this podcast. Side effects may include educated adults, informed decision-making skills, and consensual care. Tranquility by Hee and the Birth Lounge are not responsible for any ideal births that were created with this podcast. The birth parent deserves all the credit.